Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. We're starting a new series uh, this morning. We're going to be talking about fellowship. So I can't help but explain to you guys that communion is one of those things that we do within the church that unites the body as a whole. It's one of those things that it is a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a practice or it's a, you know, ceremony, however you want to look at it. But it's one of those things that really, if we look at God's word, it's something we should do often. You know, it says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And I know uh, some of us have been challenged, you know, is this just a church thing? Okay. So we're going to look at some scripture this morning, and I believe that, you know, communion can be taken in your home, it can be taken in hospitals, it can be taken wherever you're at, wherever a believer is or wherever a believer resides. When you come together and you take communion, it works just like it does on a Sunday morning. Amen. Joe, thank you so much for sharing this morning. It was really, really good. So this morning, uh, we're going to start a series focusing on, uh, you know, the the title is, What is What is True Fellowship? You know, and I know one, th- one thing I really love about our church, I feel that we do a great job in fellowshipping, but I, but I hope to encourage you a little bit more that we would look specifically at what it is practically, spiritually, biblically, and that we would allow our lives to support that. We're all about doing what the Bible says, right? Amen. You know, it's one thing to hear it. It's a whole nother thing to do it. So my heart for you this morning would be that we would just not be hearers of the word, but we would be doers of the word, that we would use the word uh, as, a, as a guide, as a tool to maybe uh, shape the way we think, but then we would do our part and we would apply the principles that we learn this morning. Amen? So Father, we just uh, submit this word to you, God. We ask that you would ca- cause it to come alive. Father, as we hear the words from scripture, God, that we would, uh, we would apply it to our lives. Father, that you would give us ears to hear this morning, a mind to understand, and a heart to receive all that your word has for us this morning, Lord. We invite your Holy Spirit to be be here with us, God, that he would just encourage us and show us those things which we cannot understand on our own. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, you know, during during this series of what is true fellowship, you know, uh, You know, we need to look at the word fellowship. What does the word fellowship mean? You know, it is defined as a friendly association, especially with people who share one's interest. So us as the church locally and then as the church, you know, globally, what is the common denominator? I don't know if you've heard that in a long time. The one, the the consistent strand in our belief system. What is it? Christ, right? Christ, you know, that he died on the cross, Christ, blood, death, burial, and resurrection, it was, is what unifies the saints. So, Noe, what do you, so if there's other religions, because this big thing that I've been hearing lately is about, I don't believe in organized religion, or there is, you know, there's many ways to God. I don't want to burst your bubble this morning, but there is one way to salvation, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. So when you say, hey, well, you can't, you can't be con- you know, controversial with other belief systems or other religions, well, maybe they do get to God. If there was not a price of a son that was sent and blood restitution, then there's no way to heaven. There's only one way to be saved, okay? So I'm not judging those, but I'm telling you that, you know, what the Bible explains as true uh, salvation, true relationship with God is through the death of his son. The, the, the burial of his son and the resurrection of his son. There's, you know, the Bible is very clear. There's only one way, you know, but, you know, I've heard a lot of communication about, man, I don't believe in organized religion, but I believe in God. So if you're saying you don't believe in organized religion, then you would never be a part of a fellowship or a local body of Christ because you don't see the significance of it where I can go to God and I can have a relationship with God, but I don't need the body of Christ is what you're saying if you do not believe in organized religion. Now, I understand that there is that confrontation, you know, or, you know, controversy, 
not confrontation, but of just where, which religion's the right religion? We're all seeking the right religion. You know, I've been overseas, I've been in Africa where there's a huge Muslim population, you know, different, different areas where they have different belief systems. And it concerns me because those people are believing it as absolute truth, but yet they are deceived. And the enemy of this world has distorted the truth. There's a lot of religions that are based on a merit system. Well, if I'm good enough, you know, you have this pendulum that swings one way and this pendulum that swings the other way. If you have a good day today and it just so happens you die today, you'll make it to heaven. But let's say you accidentally live like hell today. Uh-oh, well, if that pendulum's swinging the wrong way and that's my belief system, to me, that scares me. I can't afford to have a bad day. So our religion, our, our understanding of Christ being the focal point of our salvation, the, the blood sacrifice that is good, past, present, and future. It's one of the greatest things ever because it covers me right now at this moment and it'll cover me in the future of anything that I may possibly do. But what does Paul say? He says, don't use this so that you might manipulate the system and do whatever you want, but allow the blood to be a testimony for your life so that others might see the goodness of your God and find also him. That's what it's all about. You know, us, us living a life that honors God, living a life that pursues God, but then sharing the greatest gift ever given to us to the world. Salvation was never a selfish thing. Do you think Jesus was selfish when he said, I'll do it, Lord. I will go as a man to the earth and I will be bruised and beaten for the sins of the world. Do you think that was a selfish motive? Not at all. It was, it was the, the most significant symbol of humility and love and compassion and desire for you and for me. So if his focus was a selfless act, us as Christians need to be driven that same way that we live lives that are selfless so that we might save some. So we all as a church, we all share that common interest, which is Christ. He's the, he's the center. He's the chief cornerstone in everything that we, that we do and that, that we are. If you remove Christ from the equation, we might as well just go home because nothing else matters. He's the glue that holds everything together. Without Christ coming, you have no Holy Spirit. Without Christ coming, you have no restitution for sin. Without Christ coming, we cannot trust the Word of God. It is the fabric that is woven through every piece of it. But today, we can rest assured that we serve a risen King and that Everything in the word has proven to be true. Let's look at Acts 2, 40 through, through 47. So this is going to be the framework. So we're going to look at the word, you know, answering the question today, you know, what is true fellowship? And we're going to look at the word devotion. Okay, and I know some of you may understand what it means. Some of you may not. But I hope when we leave this place, you understand what it means to, to be devoted and what it means to have devotion first and foremost to God and then second to one another. Okay, so Acts 2, 42 through 47. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread. What does that mean? Breaking bread is what? Communion, dot, 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 in their homes. It's biblical. Thank you very much. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And this is the most awesome part. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Okay, so when we look at this passage as a whole, man, it is a... There's a lot there, okay? So we're gonna look at this passage and we're gonna look, but what does it start out saying? It says, they devoted who? Themselves. This was a personal act. This was a personal response. It was they chose to devote themselves to the teaching, right? So when we look at the word devotion, the word devotion means loyal, faithful, consistent, and committed. 
You know, so if that word devotion kind of throws you off, you're like, I don't really understand that. Committed, oh, I understand that word. Whatever you need to do to apply this word, but when we look at the word devotion, I believe that it's a little bit more than just committed, right? It's being committed and being loyal. It's being loyal and it's being consistent. It's being consistent and it's being faithful. Because I think if we use just the word committed, maybe it does, it, it's not a strong enough word to really help represent what God has desired fellowship to be. Okay, so it says they devoted themselves to teaching. So that's what you're receiving right now, teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. And that's gonna be the paramount focus. They devoted themselves to some level of fellowship. And then it says meals together, which also included the Lord's Supper and to prayer. So we just came out of a series talking about what? Prayer. Prayer is important, right? Then we talked about teaching, coming to church, hearing the word, understanding what the word of God is saying, you know, that we, uh, that we are devoted to teaching. Meals together, are we, are we committed to meals? Every single day, right? And what about including the Lord's Supper? As a church, we take communion the first Sunday of every month to our best of our ability, right? So we commit to do that on a regular basis, Okay. And then also to prayer, that, like I said, you know, coming out of that prayer series, I hope you guys know my heart on prayer. If you didn't hear anything as far as what we talked about on prayer, uh, you can go to one of our podcasts, type in Harvest Time Church and catch up on all of those things that you missed, okay? Because I don't want to re-preach it for the sake of those who heard it once already, okay? You know, so our devotion should be re revealed because we, we, we gave the definition of what devotion is, but our devotion should be real, revealed by our loyalty, our faithfulness, our consistency, and our commitment first to Christ and then secondly to one another. John 13, 34 through 35, it says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So that's, that's a huge paramount part of who we are. We should love each other. The love of God should be something that, it, that everybody sees. You know, I, I hope people do not come to our church and they scratch their head and say, man, I don't know if they like each other. Man, I don't know if that church really gets along or they're fighting all the time. I hope that you are overwhelmed by the love of Christ in this place, first and foremost to the Father, and then secondly to one another that we are really serious about our relationships to the people to our left and the people to our right. Now, that doesn't mean that I can necessarily talk to every single one of you every single Sunday, and I'm hoping that the church as a whole communicates to you on my behalf, but I would hope that when you come into this church and before you leave, somebody greets you or somebody has talked to you or somebody has asked you their name. And if you get lucky... Maybe somebody will take you to lunch. Hint, hint. All right. But those are all, those are all characteristics of our love for one another, right? So if we look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, this is the love chapter, right? Love is, so it breaks it down, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Verse 5, it is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. And love never fails. So if you're having a hard time in your marriage, you want to learn how to love your spouse a little bit better, go back and reevaluate some of these. You might have a few of them that you're like, check, and then you'll get to one you want to omit from the passage. Well, Lord, I don't want to have patience right now. My wife and my kids should be ready to leave the house when I'm ready. It's not a realistic expectation in my house, and I have to apply patience to that every single day. But then sometimes my wife is waiting on me. How is it taking you so long to get ready? I don't know. I got up late. I don't, you know, I don't have any excuses. I feel like she always has excuses. She gets up, gets herself ready, gets the kids, gets them loaded, and it's just me, myself, and I. So I have no excuse to be running late, right? But think about those characteristics. It says always, you know, in verse 7, always protects. Man, that's a big deal. What do you mean protects? 
That means if somebody's in harm or somebody's in danger, I step up and I will always protect the integrity of my church. I will always protect the, you know, the person to my left, the person to my right. Are you serious, Snowy? You're talking about it's not just my biological family? Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm telling you. That as the family of God, we should have the same loyalty and faithfulness and commitment as we do with our biological family. Because ultimately what? We're all in the same bloodline. You hear me? We're all in the same bloodline. So, you know, that is one of the greatest benefits of being a part of a family of God, being a part of a local fellowship, being devoted to one another, right? You get to be a part of something bigger than yourself with people that actually love you and like you. Because sometimes, I'm not saying all families are like this, but sometimes your family that God blessed you with biologically is not always cut out what you wanted it to be. And you get stuck with them, right? But in a local family of God, we get to choose to be a part. I know some of you say, well, maybe I, did, I didn't have a dad. Well, there's many mighty men in this church that can father you. You may say, well, I've never had a really a mother that really showed me how to do this or how to do that. Well, guess what? There are many women of God in this house that can mother you, Right? Spiritual mothers, spiritual fathers that will adopt you into the family of God and treat you just like their own. Are you serious, Noe? I'm totally serious about that. Because that's when you see a church come to life, when it functions just like a biological family, if not even better sometimes. But it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. What does perseverance mean? I'm not going to give up. I don't care when it gets hard. I don't care when it gets difficult. What if I feel like quitting? Quitting is not an option. Man, you know, uh, getting ahead of my message, but we're very big on church membership, right? We say, hey, the next step for you, if you're interested in being a part of this church, we encourage you, the next step is to become a member. Because once you become a member, you commit to us, we commit to you, and now we are called to persevere unless God redirects you elsewhere. And I say that, that you know, when you, when you decide to be part of a church, that we're asking you to hear God and say, this is the church God has placed me, and this is where I'm going to be planted, this is where I'm going to grow, and this is, something, this, is the, this is the family of God that I'm going to commit to. Because then what happens, you have to persevere. You can't just say, man, I got mad. No, he preached something I didn't like that Sunday. I'm out of there. No, you're not. Only if God moves you. Because what does it say that the word of God is intended for? To teach, to rebuke, to correct, and to bring us into alignment of being Christ-like. So there's going to be times I say things from the scripture that, you know, I was, that, that, that are hard, that are difficult, and you're like, man, I didn't like that. And I may say deep down, I didn't like that either. But that's what the word of God says. And by the grace of God, we would become all that the word of God demands of us. But we can't just say, man, I got frustrated. I didn't like it. They played too many songs. They didn't play enough songs. It was too loud. It was too quiet. I'm out. That sounds like perseverance, right? Now, you may have to say, no, I need some earplugs. And I can accommodate that. But I'm not going to accommodate you just leaving and not persevering and you not being committed and you not being devoted to the local body if you have chosen to be devoted to us and we've chosen to be devoted to you. So when we are devoted to one another, our actions will be reinforced by our love for one another. So when you truly love somebody, you'll see it. Right? You know, I mean, hopefully husbands and wives, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I know there's rough mornings. Like, do you even love me? Yeah, I'm still here, right? You know, you're not feeling the love. But at some point, you know, you should see the tangible shaking hands, smiling faces, not, you know, not mad at the world, right? You know, like, you know, there should be some reflection of our love for one another in the corporate body, in our fellowship with one another, in our devotion to one another. So let's look a little bit more at that Acts, Acts 2, 44 through 47. So in the New Living Translation, uh, verse 44 says, all the believers met together in one place. 
So if we made up the whole, I mean, I know that there's a lot of the body of Christ that maybe is not here with us this morning. Maybe they work shift work. Maybe they're not here. But when it says they all met together in one place, what do you think he was, he was uh, uh, you know, implying? Church. Or a place big enough that would facilitate it. I know if I met in your home today with this many people, if we brought all the kids back, we probably wouldn't fit. So what he was talking about, they all came together in one place. He was talking about the church, the building, a central meeting place, okay? You know, and they shared everything they had. Man, this is, this is a, you know, a stretching type principle, right? They shared everything. Man, isn't that kind of like really close and really personal? How far do you take that, Noe? Like, if my buddy doesn't have a toothbrush, is that crossing the line? And for all you germaphobes, you say, absolutely. <laughs> right? I've caught my kids many a times. What are you doing? Brushing my teeth, Dad. Whose toothbrush is that? <laughs> Guess I'd rather them brush your teeth and use mine than not brush your teeth at all, right? Everything they had, they shared with each other. You know, that can be kind of uncomfortable. That can kind of be a you know, humbling thing also, right? Because let's say I have need of something and I don't have it, but you have it. Can I humble myself and receive from a brother or sister? You have to allow someone to give. It's a giving and a taking, right? And that's hard. That's, well, I didn't work for that. Or, you know, like, you know, I've loaned cars out before. I said, treat it like it's yours. Just please don't total it. Right? You know, I mean, you know, but if you, if you mess it up, if it gets a few, I don't really care. As long as you're respecting it, you're taking care of it. But we have to share with what we have. If God has given us an abundance in our life, it's probably more for others than it is for ourselves. Do you hear that? If God has, has, has significantly blessed us with more than we have need of, why would his heart not be for others? Is it to accumulate this great wealth and I build big, huge sheds full of all these monumental junk? No. God willing, it should be so that we could bless our brothers and sisters in Christ because as we bring everything, you know, we share everything we have. If it's mine, it's yours. If I have it to loan, man, come get it. Just remember it's mine and return it. Right? I remember video games when I was little. We'd loan video games back and forth. And all you young kiddos, you're like... We just download them now. We don't even have games or discs or anything, right? Man, you'd forget you gave it to somebody, man, three years later. Hey, bro, here's your game. Man, I completely forget, you know, like, you're just loaning things out, right? What's mine is yours, that we all might be blessed. Verse 45, it says, they, listen, and it gets, now it gets a little more personal. It says, they sold their property and possessing, possessions and shared the money with those in need. Oh, so now it's not just keeping, to, keeping the accumulation of what I have, but it's taking what I have, selling it, turning it to cash, and giving to those who have need. Well, now that I sold what I have, I have cash, I give it to somebody. I can't get that back. Uh-oh. Heart check, right? Are we really in this for each other, for the sake of fellowship? Are we really devoted to each other? Because my children, if they ask for me, I will give them anything, you know, that they ask according to their own good. This morning, Samuel asked me if he could help pass out communion. Man, I couldn't tell him, though. No. I said, Lord, I, I said, just please don't drop it, son. <laughs> or God's going to have to multiply it here before us, you know. So I was kind of watching. I was like, I said, you carry the bread. Don't carry the juice. I know we have a few little coffee stains. I was like, I don't want to add a whole tray of communion juice to the carpet, right? But... Man, you know, I think we need to be willing to give to each other, share with one another. Our devotion should cost us something. Devotion shouldn't come easy and it shouldn't come free and it shouldn't come cheap. So in, in those, just those two things of giving, of sharing, of all those things, you know, we need to reflect on the word devoted. What, is, what does devotion mean to you? And just, you don't have to answer that, but think about it. What does the word devoted mean to you? You know, one of the statements that I really try to remind myself, and I really think that uh, this is something that, you know, as a church I want us to focus on, is the statement saying, it's always bigger than me. Because that realigns everything. 
Well, Lord, what about my needs? It's always bigger than me. Oh, so that immediately says, hey, you know what? Selfish, pride, own self-survival protection has to, has, to, has to be set aside because the need of the body, the commitment to the body of Christ is bigger than just me. It's always bigger than me, right? You know, it, uh, it, it allows me to kill the root of selfishness because selfishness is what will prevent any of these things right here. Well, I don't want to. Well, that my car is pretty nice, Lord. I don't want to loan that out. Well, I sure don't want to sell it. It's getting rid of my assets, right? It's getting, you know, my earthly monetary value in this world. You know, I was talking to a finance guy not that while back, and he's, he, you know, they asked those questions. What is your net worth? And I was like, what the heck does that mean? What are you, what is, dollar symbols, what do you look like? What do you owe? What do you own? And whatever it looks like, cha-ching, that's what you're worth. I was like, that's so stupid. Like, but I mean, I guess if that's what we're chasing after or that's what he thinks he needs to know to get some of my financial stuff set up, I guess I'll figure it out. But we are so driven by that. What is my financial position? You know, are we, are we continually worrying about accruing all of this wealth? And we are never investing in the kingdom of God. We are never investing in our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are not supporting missionaries around the world that are forfeiting 401ks that are forfeiting these big, nice homes, these, these elaborate vehicles. Are we committing to support those things in the body of Christ? So I believe some of you are, but some of you might be challenged with that saying, am I really devoted to the cause of fellowship? Am I devoted to it? Matthew 20 Verse 26, and then we're going to look at uh, verse 28. It says, for whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And in verse 28, it says, just as the Son of Man did not come to to be served, but to serve. We look at the characteristics of what Christ was driven by. Man, he came to serve people. He came to give, did he give the ultimate price? Absolutely, right? So how can we say, well, I'm going to withhold this when Christ gave everything. That's what, that's what always changes my motive. Well, you know, because I hear of all these radical testimonies, you know, guys giving away their homes, giving away vehicles, nice vehicles. I'm not talking about, hey, man, good luck. Hope the four wheels don't fall off. I'm talking nice vehicles. And it challenges me to say, God, would I, not that you're asking me to, because then I'd have to move in with one of you guys, but would I be willing for the sake of meeting a need. Or if I knew, hey man, there's people in our church that have needs. What can I get rid of? Because I believe that God wants us taking care of our basic needs. I think he's, he's really concerned about that too. So serving is a big part of being devoted to God and being devo- devoted to one another. And serving always requires giving in some capacity. You can't serve and withhold giving. It always comes out of a heart of giving. You know, verse 46 in that same chapter, you know, it says they worship together in the temple. The temple was the Old Testament or, you know, the wordage of the church today. You know, they, they, they came and they, they worship together in the church every single day. And we got to fight with some of you to get here on Sunday. Don't lie. You're like, hey, we're good right now, but we're right on the brink of football season. Oh, we're going to, you better get your DVR ready or whatever. Because you're like, oh, man, where's everybody at? It's game day, buddy. Gots to go. Fellowship in my house around the big screen, right? You know, but they, they committed every single day of the week. They met together and they worshiped. This was, this was a family community. This was, this was ideal fellowship. Okay, they met every single day in the temple courts. They also met in their homes, sharing a meal, and like I said, including the Lord's Supper, with great joy and generosity. So what does that look like? Man, I invite them over. Man, I give them the best. I say, hey, there's, you know, what's the, what's the golden ticket? Hey, you can have anything you can find in this house. What do my kids do without even, you know, like, you know, there's some courtesy still from adults. You're like, hey, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not just going to fling open the cabinets. My kids are non-reserved. If you say, hey, take whatever you want. If there's anything you can find in the cabinets, thank you very much. But that's what it looks like. You know, that's, uh, 
I think that's really when you know you're welcomed. I know I go in some homes and if there's coffee already there, I don't have to ask for the coffee. If I want water, I'll say, hey, can I, I mean, I just, I know where the glasses are, it's familiar. Man, we're, it's just like being at mom's house. I don't ask mom for anything and sometimes I'm taking her secret stash of candy that she puts on the bowl on the top where the little kids can't get. But I'm smart enough to keep the bowl there because when she's frustrated or overwhelmed, she goes to that bowl. So I got to leave it in. But that, that's where the difference is that there is nothing that is, because there's a difference between being awkward and saying, hey, you can do whatever you want, but hey, not really. We need to get to those places of relationship where we can truly come in, we can kick our shoes off, and we can lean back, and we can just relax. The people hosting in homes that we can just relax and not be so concerned about what people think. I've told you over and over again, you can come over to my house at any time, it won't be clean. I live in it. I have three kiddos. They can destroy it in an hour that I put a whole day's worth of work into it. But I think that we just got to get to that place of where just be you, just relax, but we also have that fellowship within our homes. Because really, I think that's the only way that we're going to connect with each other every day. Because at this point in my life, I haven't committed to have the church open every single evening for my own well-being also, right? But they met together daily. They fellowshiped daily. You know, fellowship is what happens before the service, you know, and it's what happens after the service. You know, I see some of you come here early. You know, we have, the, we have prayer that starts at 930, which is a great way to start off your Sunday morning. And at 10 o'clock, we get out of prayer and we go have fellowship. We have coffee, donuts, whatever's provided. We create fellowship and we just interact with each other. And then after the service, there's continual fellowship. I can tell you with confidence, I never get out of here early. That's a good problem. I'm totally okay with that. And just because I start flipping off some of the lights doesn't mean that I need you to go home. I just got a lot of lights to turn off when it's all said and done, right? So that's a good thing. Fellowship happens before and after. You know, if you just showed up right on time and you didn't get to hug anybody's neck or say anything, and then as soon as this service is over, if you haul tail out of here. Now, I'm not saying if you, ha if you have something going on, man, that's fine, but you're gonna rob yourself of the opportunity to connect with people. You're going you're gonna to miss the opportunity to have fellowship with each other. And if you are devoted to each other, you are going to hang around at least just for a moment to connect with one another because that is a huge deal for others, but also for yourself. Fellowship can only happen and be built by face-to-face -face encounters, okay? You know, uh, Man, I've never, you know, fellowship cannot, fellowship cannot happen by sitting at your house watching a service on TV or even listening to our podcast. You're not going to build fellowship. I've never had anybody watch a, a video on YouTube or that podcast and they didn't say, oh man, that was some awesome fellowship. Maybe she has, <laughs> right? We, we, we've never, we don't do that because it is a lack of fellowship relationship. I'm not saying that those messages aren't life changing and there's strong biblical truth and there's a need for those. But what I'm talking about, I can't walk up, put your hand up, and shake a hand and say, man, how are you doing? I'm looking them in the eyes. I'm touching them. There is a physical interaction. I mean, if some of you guys are walking up to the TV and putting your hand on the screen, you got to come to church. <laughs> come on, man. But God has built us for relationship and fellowship. We actually love it. Now, there are some people that don't like people and don't like to be touched. I worked with someone when I worked at STP. It's like, I'm not really a hugger, kind of like... Like high five and then back off. I don't know what it, what, you know, which we want to respect your space and, you know, somewhat of your personal bubble. But we are committed to building relationship, shaking hands, hugs, looking you in the eye, being very relational. Okay, we can't get that by staying home. You know, uh, we need to, you know, I, I'm reminded, you know, when I, I worked shift work for seven and a half years, we have any shift workers in here? Some of us, right? It's one of the hardest things you'll do ever, okay? So I did that for seven and a half years, and I would remember missing two weeks out of the month, every single week, you know? You know and uh, during that time, I had what you called serious disconnectitis. So I'm going to give you a definition 
Disconnectitis is when you suffer from a lack of fellowship with your local church because you are not there according to No Econo MD. You'll never find it on Google. Yeah, I made it up. Joke, joke, okay? If you're falling asleep, I'm trying to help you this morning. But man, I suffered from that lack of connectedness. Even in those two weeks, I'd come back and I remember talking to Pastor Bobby or I'd be like, man, what's been going on? He's like, what do you mean? What's been? I hadn't been here. I feel so disconnected. I'm not a part. What is going on? I feel like I haven't been here in forever. Because I am super intentional and I love to be a part of the community. I love to be a part of a local fellowship. I'm devoted to the body of Christ. And when I'm not a part, I feel disconnected. And I feel that lack. You know, one of the steps that I, I can really encourage you with, you know, if you want to further your devotion to, to the, this church here, this local church, Harvest Time Church, I would encourage you to become a member. If you've never done that or you've never committed that, you're like, oh, well, I don't like to commit to things. Yeah, because you want to leave easy. You want the easy way out. Okay, we're gonna, I'm going to keep hashing on that for a little bit. Give me some grace, but hear God's truth in this, okay? You know, uh, you, know you will never reap the full benefits of a local church by not being part and connected to the family of God. It's, you're going to be robbed of it. You'll never, you'll never know the things of my heart unless you sit down across from me at the table and you say, man, well, no, I know you've been sharing this from the pulpit. Man, what's been going on, man? You know, share a little bit more with me and you will have an opportunity to directly connect with me or connect with others within the body of Christ. This right here, this soul connection of just like being here and then leaving, God, God wants so much more than just this. He wants true fellowship. He wants true relationship, right? You know, so if, you are de if you're devoted to some, someone or something, uh, it should be easy to commit to if you're truly devoted to something, okay? So let me give you an example. You know, my wife, you know, uh, you know, I was, I was devoted to my wife, you know, long before we got married. So it was just appropriate to marry her. That was the, uh, that's the only thing left. I mean, I was devoted. I wanted to spend my life with her. I loved her. Every, every part of me was driven towards her. But what was the dividing line? Were you going to marry her? Uh, why is that so challenging to do if I'm truly devoted to something? For me, it was not a difficult decision. Now, it was difficult to approach her father and say, hey, uh, uh, can I marry your daughter? He gives me that stern look. He's like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Thank God. You know, because, man, you know, you think of this like dad or father-in-law is going to just crush you. Well, she was like, he was excited about it. Praise God. Standing here today to tell the story. You know, but that is one of the most fearful things. I was more scared of the, the steps that it would take to walk through that than it was making the commitment to marry her because I was devoted to her, right? You know, uh, I could have been so concerned about, you know, meeting her father or talking to Don Pierce that I would have totally avoided it, but I was, and that's what she told me. She says, if you want to marry me, you got to talk to my dad. I just kind of melted. It's like, oh, man. Okay, so I, it, was, I, so it was such an awkward conversation. How do you bring that up? Hey, uh, Don, I want to talk to you. Uh-huh. And it's just awkward, more awkward. And, you know, it's just this, if you've ever had to do it, you know what I'm talking about. If you never have and will have to, good luck to you. You know, so, uh, you know, it was just something that I was driven towards. I was, I was, I was devoted to her. You know, so... Uh, First and foremost, I just want to be very upfront, you know, that relationships where you live together and never get married is not God's best. Did you hear me? Where you're living together, you're, you're, you're saying, well, one day it's not God's best for you. Okay? You know, uh, you know I think about a, the, uh, you know, a wedding ring. You know, the symbolism of it, you know, you know, they do the whole, all the preachers always say, you know, it's a, it's a circle and it's a ring. There's no beginning. There's no end. It's an unbroken circle. It's all of these things, you know, but I tell you what, I take my ring off, not a, a lot, but sometimes, you know, if I'm shaving or what different things like that, I'll take it off and I'll set it aside. But there's not a moment that goes by that when I put the ring back on, I remember what I vowed to. Now, sometimes I don't ever take it off and I don't think about it. But every moment that I'm like, you know, because the older you get, sometimes your hands swell or you get a little bit plumper, however you want to look at it. I want to say it with as much grace as possible. But, you know, there's days we eat pizza or I'm going to blame it on the salt. You know, it'll go on. I'm just kind of like, you know, it'll, it'll stop right there at the knuckle. 
And then there's good days that it slips right on, right? But every time I put that on, I remember of my devotion to my wife and what I committed to. And I commit just as much this day as when I asked her to marry me. Now, walking it out is sometimes difficult because we get tired, we get older, we, we have more demand, we have children. But if I'm devoted, that's all that matters. I should be driven by that devotion. I should enjoy that fellowship with her. Right? You know, we think about the vows. I feel like vows are one of the most significant things because it is communicating what you are devoting to. You know what the traditional vows are, right? Better for worse, sickness and in health, for richer is poor, and the final line, till death do us part. Well, that's a long time, baby. <laughs> you know, we think about it. But if I'm devoted, I'm saying until the end. Until the end. But those are the things that really paint the picture of what devotion and love for one another really looks like. You know, I would encourage you to choose God's best and support a biblical model and commit, commitment, commit to the, uh, the, the biblical pattern of marriage. You know, man, I, I know people say, well, it's just not the right timing. I'm just not ready. I'm... Trust God or don't trust God. And, you know, man, I had a, had a buddy of mine that uh, he would always say that uh, dating is practice for divorce. I mean, let me paint a little bit of that for you. When you date, what happens? Well, I'm going to go out with this girl and see if I really like her. See if it's good, see if we kind of get along, and maybe it, maybe it advances and you get a little bit more involved than you want, right? Well, let's say one day, you know what, you know what? She smacks her food too much. I can't handle that. I can't deal with that. So what do you do? Forget you. I'm out of here. I break that, I, no strings attached, heart's broken here. You're kind of being prideful and arrogant, but you're kind of hurt too because, you know, you did have some connection, but you thought it was okay. You severed that. You broke it. I wasn't okay with the conditions, and it was conditional, and therefore it gives me an out. I never committed to marriage. Therefore, I'm out. So therefore, dating, all it is is a practicing for, for divorce because if I make that same rationalization of decision when I get married, well, if I get married and it gets hard, I'll just get a divorce. You're like, oh, man. That's pretty serious. Yeah, but some are in a habit of doing that because we've dated for so long and we've never committed to anybody and we've never been truly devoted till death do us part. I took that part out of there. No, I'm, I'm done. So think about it. You know, this, and, and it's kind of hard. It's kind of harsh. You know, if, if, you're, if, you're, if, if you're here this morning and you're struggling and you're like, man, should we or should we not? It's God's will that you do if you decide to be together and you're sleeping together and you're living together and you're playing house. It's God's best for you to keep the marriage sacred rather than cultivating a model that the world portrays as being okay. You don't ever have to get married. You can still reap the same benefits. Good luck with that because the enemy can use that for the destruction of your life. So if you're here this morning and maybe you want to make that decision or you want to uh, work through getting married and maybe you just haven't, come talk to Becky and I. We'd really like to walk with you through that, show you scripture, and any, ju any you know, justification that you're trying to say to prevent that, we're going to help point you in the right direction. Well, I just don't have enough money. You ain't ever going to have enough money. <laughs> well, we already have a kid. So it's, the timing's not right. Well, we already, you already messed that up. Just get married now. All that's backwards because it's not, you know, that wasn't God's best either. Even when you do it right, having a kid is one of the most difficult things of your life. What I'm saying is hear the voice of God. If your devotion for one another is enough that you would marry her or that you would marry him, what in the world are you waiting for? What do they say? The most, three th most important things you'll ever do in your life? Buy a car, buy a house, or get married. And it scares us because some of us have never done it. But I tell you what, if God's in it and you're committed to the other person and you're devoted to one another, it'd be the best decision you ever made. Not that it'll be easy, but it'll be worth it. Moving on. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, it says, and let us uh, 
Consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not uh, give up meeting together or being devoted to one another as some of you are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. So this morning, you know, like I have a question for you. How devoted are we really to our local church family? How devoted are we? Is it just kind of when it's convenient or, you know, it's not a big deal? You know, is it kind of just this, well, if I don't have anything going on this weekend, then I'll go to church. Or do we schedule our schedules in a way that says, I don't schedule anything Sunday morning because I go to church. Big difference, right? Man, I, I, I really wish they wouldn't have ball games on Saturdays and Sundays and all of those times where we need family and we need fellowship. You know, I was talking to some pastors. I go to a pastor's alliance meeting every Wednesday. He said a decade ago, ball games, soccer games, all of these things, Wednesdays and Sundays were sacred. They never had sporting events on those days. So therefore, the church did not have this conflict of, because I understand the challenge. I want my kids being committed. Hey, they're part of this team. They're going to be there. That challenge, you know, which, so I kind of wonder, man, if we as the church, we begin to stand up and, you know, let's, let's just say like, there was 12 of them. Well, 10 of us go to church and all 10 of us said, we're not showing up on a Sunday because we go to church first and then they would be forced, they would be, they would be forced to change the day. You can't have sports if we don't support it. Can't win a game with two people. And more than likely, if there's enough encouragement leaning one way, the other two will say, hey, that's fine with me. I'd rather my kids play. Let's go do it on another day. Now, I don't know if that's an unachievable goal but if you get a chance to speak out of when your team's deciding which days to practice on and it's Wednesdays or Sundays, please speak up if there's really a true devotion for the fellowship of the brethren. You know, I think Becky had a situation like that. They were bouncing some days around and, and she shrunk back. It was on a Wednesday and she's like, oh, and another mom. Hey, we have church on, on Wednesdays and Becky's like, yes, but she remained silent. I was like, yeah, they wouldn't be going to those practices. We couldn't do it just with what we're committed to, right? You know, so we've had a culture shift. So asking those questions, you know, man, what does devotion, what does it really look like to me? What does it look like in regards to, the, uh, to Christ's family? You know, you know, what priority does church play in your life? So these are all self-evaluation questions to help us test our devotion. Now, I'm not saying, hey, stand up this morning if you're devoted, I want you searching your own heart and then maybe those areas where God is challenging you to truly be devoted, please be devoted. If you're already devoted, praise God, you're reaping the benefits of what devotion brings in the fellowship of the church. You know, we make time for what we value. How many of you guys know that? Well, I don't have time to do that this week, but I'll go play around round of golf three or four hours later. Man, I just don't have any time, but you came back with a limit of trout. Man, they just, what, jumped in the boat? No, it took some time, right? I don't have any time. Man, this movie this weekend was great. Especially the year, you know, one's now over two hours. But I don't have any time, right? What is your devotion? You know, what we, get, what we make time for, we value. Do we make time for church, right? You know, today culture, you know, sees being part of a local church as optional rather than essential. You know, church is no longer a priority for many. And we see that through the sporting events, different things like that, right? You know, how devoted are you to supporting the vision and mission of the church? You're like, well, I don't even know the vision and mission of the church. Well, are you really devoted to it? So there's something I'm going to share with you guys because, you know, one thing that God has been putting in my heart is to make something so simple that everybody can get it. So we're looking at revising the mission statement, revising the, uh, the vision statements to make it super simple. But the three things that it's going to focus on is knowing, growing, and going. That's it. All we care about is you know who Christ is, and then you're growing to be all that Christ has called you to, and then you go wherever he sends you or asks of you. Well, I can't remember that. Well, we're going we're gonna to have to pray for you. It's a super easy. Knowing, growing, and going. Pretty simple, right? But I can get the kids to memor memorize it quick, too, if I try, right? So how committed are we to the vision and mission of the church? Uh, one other statement, you know, man, I really like these statement catchphrases that really help identify uh, our focus. But what I think when we say devotion, you know, I think is having that mentality that says, uh, whatever it takes, 
Well, what do you mean by that? Whatever it takes. Man, if there's a need in the church, man, whatever it takes. How much do we need? What do we need? Oh, we didn't get enough. Hey, let's take, let's, here, let me give some more. Whatever it takes mentality. Man, there's something that needs to be repaired. Hey, you have people doing that. We want to be involved. Whatever it takes to be a part of the fellowship of the body. And there's been many of you in this room that have helped support the church, changing light fixtures, stage stuff. I mean, have put countless amount of times investing in this church. That is what fellowship and devotion looks like. But having that, whatever it takes. Well, I don't like doing children's ministry, but there's a need there. Man, I'll serve there. I had to put somebody in a bind not that long ago. They're like, you know, I haven't done this in a long time. I says, but you're able and you're willing and you can do it, right? Yeah. But they did it. That's what I'm talking about. Whatever it takes. There's a need in children's ministry. I'll go help in children's ministry, but somebody better preach. Because my heart is truly whatever it takes, wherever the need is. Sometimes you see me helping on the worship team. I only commit to that when I'm not preaching. I don't know if you figured it out or not, the strategy there, right? You know, man, I really don't like doing both. It's just a lot of stress. But let me tell you what, if we're ever short enough, I will do whatever it takes and you'll see me lead worship and preach. Is it convenient? No. Is it super easy? Heck no. That evening, am I taking a nap? Absolutely. Guaranteed, right? So what is our devotion? You know, do I have a whatever it takes attitude, you know, to advancing, you know, a whatever it takes attitude towards advancing the kingdom of God uh, and building and supporting the church uh, that is serious about reaching the lost? Man, you guys got to understand my heart for kingdom ways of thinking. When I say, let's leave this place and let's go love on somebody and share the good news of who Christ is, I'm serious about that. I hope you just don't come back week after week after week and say, man, this is just so great about what God is doing and God is just changing my life in a mighty way and you don't tell anybody about it. You're not inviting anyone to be a part of this. And it's just saying, man, for me, myself, and I, it is great. I'm bringing three people this week, me, myself, and I. But, it's, but you think about that. That is selfish. If I have one of the greatest things that will greatly encourage somebody and, and change somebody's life, the fellowship of believers being devoted to one another, that's what it is. The devotion of fellowship. Right? So three questions you can ask yourself today to evaluate your devotion or your fellowship. The first thing, am I truly devoted to the local church? Okay, so what I mean to that, first and foremost, maybe, am I a member? You know, if I'm not a member, what is preventing me from becoming one? Now, if it's got, you haven't felt God plants you at this church, hey, I'm okay with that. But if it's just like, well, you know, I don't want to stay after church for a free meal and awesome fellowship and dessert and coffee. Come on, man. You're going to go eat lunch anyway. Right? You know, think about what is it that's preventing you from doing that? You know, uh, do I apply the teachings received? This is a big one for me because I hope you guys are applying some of these biblical teachings that we share with you. If you just say, awesome message, and you come back next week, you didn't do anything with it, and you're like, let's hear another awesome message. I almost don't want to, I'm going to start, maybe I need to preach the exact same message every week till I see us apply it. Be like, pastor, that sounds like the same one from last week. It was. I mean, lick for lick. Why are you preaching again? Well, did you do anything with it last week? Well, no. Well, I'm going to preach it again. And I may just play the podcast and sit on the front row. Save my energy. Sit here and lip sync it all, right? So are we applying the teachings? You know, when we ask, am I truly devoted to the church? Because if we are, we're going to apply what we're being taught. The next thing, do I contribute and commit to fellowship of believers regularly? You know, you have people that say, oh, I go to church all the time, but you only see them on the holidays. It's their level of, they're there all the time, right? So what does that mean? If I don't have anything going on, am I here? If you're going on vacations or you're doing different things or you have to work, those are always excusable in my book. But if you're just not being a part because you're just choosing to stay home rather than being devoted to the fellowship of believers, then that, that's what I'm talking about when we look at those. You know, do I come on a regular basis? Am I committed to the fellowship of other believers? Okay. <clears throat> So am I truly devoted to my local church? The second thing, uh, where, where do I spend my time and my money when I start talking about devotion? So first off, do I attend church regularly? That would require some of your time, right? Which if we look at the course of a week, what time is it? 
It's 12.15. What time do we start? 10.30? I hadn't even kept you two hours yet. But we'll go sit in a two-hour movie. Oh, well, they have popcorn and whatever. I'll feed you popcorn. <laughs> Is that what it takes? <laughs> hey, and I'll s- listen, and I will sell you the candy at the same price they do. And we will, we will build the building fund overflowing because all of you pay it. Man, that's a, man, I just thought of a brilliant fundraising idea. Be like, man, how are y'all buying all this? Stuff? We're selling popcorn and concessions just like they do at the movie theater. And we're keeping it under two hours. All right, so do I church, attend church regularly? Do I serve my church? And like I said, I know a lot of you do, but do you serve? Maybe you're right on the fringe. You say, well, I don't, but how do I do that? I'm hoping very soon we're able to communicate how you can do that a little bit better. But if you're like, you know, chomping at the bit and you want to serve right now, please come talk to me. We'll find a place to plug you in and get you involved in what we're doing as a local church. You know, thirdly, you know, it's time and money. You know, do I give faithfully to my church financially? Let me tell you something. You never make financial contribution to something you don't believe in. But when you do, you're investing in something. And it's more than just saying, well, we want to make sure Noe's salary is taken care of. No, you are investing in something bigger than yourself because it goes beyond just my salary. We give to missionaries. We try to do outreach stuff. We try to do a lot of things that are kingdom-minded also. You are giving way beyond what you know, but are you giving of your tithes regularly? Because if you're not, maybe check your devotion. If I'm devoted to something, how often do you think my wife spends my money? often as she wants, right? I'm devoted. It's costing me something. You cannot be devoted to something and, not, and it to not cost you anything. The principle's just not right. So I ask the question, do you give regularly to your church if you consider yourself devoted to this church? If you're a first-time visitor, I'm so sorry. I'm not applying this to you, but it does, it does reflect our devotion to something. So the principle remains the same, so just hear me on that, Okay. So, you know, if we're devoted to something, we're going to give something, it's going to cause something. So do we give faithfully to our church financially? And the last thing, uh, do I do for others, what do I do for others within my church family? Okay? You know, have I blessed somebody lately within the fellowship of believers? Well, not really. Are you devoted? I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but be challenged by that, right? You know, am I looking for opportunities to bless my brothers and sisters in Christ? Okay? Do I give generously to those in need? I know a few weeks ago we took up a love offering of an unknown situation, of an unknown individual. We just felt uh, leading of the Holy Spirit to do that. And there was a good bit of money given. And there was no specifics given. So, you know, I really want to applaud you guys for giving as the Lord leads. So I'm not saying that you don't do anything. Please hear, please hear that also. But I believe that this is a good gauge to evaluate our devotion. If you're devoted, praise God for it. If you need to be more devoted, I would challenge you this morning and encourage you, okay? And thirdly, when we're looking at, you know, what do I do for others within the church family? Do I notice when someone in the church is missing? Do we realize that? I know a lot of us get in the habit of sitting kind of in the same seats every week. Well, you know who usually sits in front of you or behind you, or beside you. So as a church family, do we realize when somebody's maybe not present? And then when we notice, what do we do about it? You know, good intentions never really accomplish anything. I would encourage you, if you have their number, or if you know how to get a hold of them, man, reach out to them and not be like, hey, buddy, why weren't you at church? (laughs) Don't do it that way, please. It's like, Pastor Noe told me to call you and say, you better get to church, because you're not devoted. Don't do that, please, right? But we just need to say, hey, man, I noticed you were missing. Is everything okay? Now, a lot of, you know, it's, it's really, really funny, man, because, like, I'm very proactive in that. I notice all the time now, hey, brother, I'm not going to be there this Sunday. They're covering their bases. I don't know if they're concerned that I'm going to call them out. But, my, listen, my heart is always to make sure you're okay, to make sure there's not something going on that I need to know about, and just to make sure that you know that you were missed this morning. But I need to let you know, as a body of Christ, I need all of you guys' help to do that. Because just because I miss somebody doesn't mean that was my heart. 
and I am going to miss some, but if each of us are paying attention to that because of our devotion to the fellowship of believers and devotion to the church, it'll be very rare that we miss somebody. We have some great leaders in this church. They hit me up. They're like, hey, where was so-and-so? Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Why were they not? I was like, I don't even know, man. I didn't notice, but they noticed. Did you reach out to them? Well, I will now. You know, I don't know. You know, like however those things work. So those three things, am I, am I truly devoted to my local church? Do I, where do I spend my time and my money? And what do I do for others in the, in, the, uh, in the church family? So when we talk about what is true fellowship, I hope you understand that devotion is a huge part of it. If you're not devoted, you will never reap the benefits of what God has for you in the life of this church. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.